Praise the Lord, we can make it. We're going to have to keep our eyes open and keep our eyes on Jesus, no doubt about that. If you've got your Bibles today, we're in a series called What You Know Might Not Be So. It's talking about deception. And today I want to talk specifically about spinning the truth. Second Chronicles 18, 1 through 13, if you would like to follow along with the reading. Now Jehoshaphat, now you can pronounce his name different ways. The right way is Jehoshaphat. I've called him Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat, and I might do that in this message, but that's the right way, so you know the right way. Don't hold me to it. Had great wealth and honor, and he allied himself with Ahab by marriage. Some years later, he went down to see Ahab in Samaria. Ahab slaughtered many sheep and cattle for him, and the people with him, and <coughs> urged him to attack Ramoth Gilead. Ahab, king of Israel, asked Jehoshaphat, let's see there, Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, same person. Will you go with me against Ramoth Gilead? Jehoshaphat <laughs> replied, I am as you are and my people as your people. We will join you in the war. But Jehoshaphat also said to the king of Israel, First seek the counsel of the Lord. So the king of Israel brought together the prophets, 400 men, and asked them, Shall we go to war against Ramoth Gilead, or shall I not? Go, they answered, for God will give it to, into the king's hand. But Jehoshaphat said, asked, Is there no longer a prophet of the Lord here whom we can inquire of? The king of Israel answered Jehoshaphat, There's still one prophet through whom we, may, we can inquire of the Lord, but I hate him because he never prophesies anything good about me. <laughs> and that's just nice. But always bad. He's Micaiah, the son of Imlah. The king should not say such a thing, Jehoshaphat replied. So the king of Israel called one of his officials and said, Bring Micaiah, son of Imla, at once. Dressed in their royal robes, the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, were sitting on their thrones at the threshing floor by the entrance of the gate of Samaria, with all the prophets prophesying before them. Now Zedekiah, the son of Kenanah, had made iron horns, and he declared, This is what the Lord says. With these you will gore the Armenians, Armenians until they are destroyed. All the other prophets were prophesying the same thing. All 400 prophesied, prophesied the same thing. Attack Ramoth Gilead and be victorious, they said, for the Lord will give it unto the king's hand. The messenger who, who had gone to summon Micaiah said to him, Look, the other prophets, without exception, are predicting success for the king. Let your word agree with theirs. You better say what they said, he said, and speak favorably. But Micaiah said, as surely as the Lord lives, I can tell him only what my God says. One of the most subtle and devastating things that's occurred in our culture in the last 50 years is we've gotten rid of absolute truth. That's truth that's the same for all people, all cultures, all times. Alan Bloom, in the book, The Closing of the American Mind, said, if you're a professor in college, you can be certain that all the kids coming are all believing that truth is relative. Now, what do you mean by relative truth? That means it depends on the situation, depends on the circumstance, depends on the person and what's going on. Truth can change from person to person. In other words, adultery is not necessarily wrong if the person you're cheating with is 
showing you more love than your spouse was. Or it's okay to steal if you're not hurting anybody and the person that's got a lot of money and not going to miss it and is going to help somebody else. It's okay to lie if this and that. In other words, truth doesn't matter. It all depends on what circumstances. That's situational ethics and that's also uh, truth that's not absolute anymore. Another thing is you, it's so easy to twist or spin the truth. We've got spin doctors today that can take the truth and spin it a little bit, and you can't tell if it's the truth or not. And they can be telling you the truth. It can mean one of the, just the opposite. That's one of the reasons I have such a low view of the media today. Amen. They can take the truth and spin it to whatever they want it to say. If they were covering Jesus walking on the water, oh, they could write something like, look at there, he can't swim. I mean, so they come up with anything and look at the same thing everybody else is looking at. I've, always, I've told this story before. There was a boy that ran track in high school, and his dad was his coach, and he coached him. He was a pretty good runner, and he, he had made it to the state finals the year before, but he finished like 10th, and he was going to the state finals again, and his dad had been training him. Come to the, the few days before the state finals, his father got called away on a business trip and wasn't going to be there with his son. And so he said, son, I'm going to call you the evening of the race and, let, and you tell me how it worked out. I hate it that I'm not going to be able to be there with you. He said, okay, dad, I'll call. He said, one thing I want to do, dad, I want to finish in the top five and I want to beat the guy that won last year. He's so cocky and so arrogant. That's the two goals I got. He said, you can do it, boy. Well, he went to the state finals and instead of ten guys running in the race, there was only two. Four of them had caught some kind of illness, disease, and they were sick. A couple of them had bad grades and couldn't compete, and a couple of them had injured themselves. So it's just him against the number one man. And they ran the mile or whatever they were running, and the number one man beat him by 100 yards, beat him like a drum. He hated to hear that phone ring that night because Deb was going to ask him, how did it go? And he picked it up, and his dad said, okay, boy, I've been anxiously waiting. How did it go today? He said, Dad, I came in second. He said, really? Great. Man, I'm proud of you. I knew you could do it. I knew you had it in you. He said, by the way, how would that old smart aleck guy that won last year? He said, he came in next to last. And he told the truth in both situations. <laughs> both things he said were absolutely true, but gave a completely different message. You can spin it any way you want to spin it. How would you like to have the job of Corrine Jean-Pierre, the press secretary that comes up every day in front of the press and to the American public and spins or twists, distorts, omits, or whatever she says, lies, to protect whatever the administration wants her to say? How would you like that job? Our justice system used to be, you know, are you going to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? Not so much that we're going after truth anymore. If you've got a good high-priced lawyer that can spend things and just put just a little doubt, it don't matter if it's true or not, just put enough doubt that somebody can't convict. That's all we care about. Spinning the truth, that's what I'm going to talk about today. Let's look at spinning of God's Word, a tale of two kings. During the time when the kingdom was divided, this, this is in... First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles, in that historical section there, especially, you get some really strange characters come up in those times. The nation was divided. We talked about it in Sunday school. The northern ten tribes was Israel. The southern two tribes was Judah. They'd gone into a civil war after Solomon, pretty much, and was divided like that. 
Now, they were divided, but they were not enemies. They still got along with each other. Not like the Civil War in America where we were bitter enemies and 600,000 people died in that war. They still got along with each other even though they were divided like that. Jehoshaphat was the king of Judah. He was a good man, a godly man. The king of Israel, the northern tribes, was a man named Ahab. He was a wicked man, ungodly man, an idolatrous man, very, very wicked. All of Israel's kings were wicked. They didn't have one good king, and about half of the kings of Judah were good. Israel eventually was overtaken by the Assyrians, and that was it for them. And then eventually, about 100 years later or so, the Babylonians took care of of Judah. But anyway, that was taking place. This story we're looking at is a tale of compromise. Jehoshaphat has been doing good. He's a man of God. He's blessed by God. Judah's at peace. Everything's going good. And he has this interaction with the king of Israel, Ahab, the evil one. And Ahab's put out a big spread. He's killed a bunch of things and and, and feeding him good and buttering him up because he's got a question, got something to ask of Jehoshaphat. And he says this, I want you and your military to join my military because we're going against the Syrians at Ramoth Gilead. Would you fight with us? That's why he's buttering him up so much. And Jehoshaphat says, "Uh, yeah, you know, we can do that. Now, Jehoshaphat's already compromising. He's compromising in two ways. First time he compromised, he let his son marry Ahab's daughter. Now, we talked about that in Sunday school also today. God didn't let you marry uh, people from other lands because of their idolatry. It wasn't a racial thing. But now this is marrying inside the Jewish family here, but still idolatry. And that's why God didn't want to begin with. But he's already compromised there. The guy, his son Jehoram, married Ahab's and Jezebel's daughter, Athaliah. That's one of the most, she was just about as wicked maybe as Jezebel. She was the one that uh, she wanted to take the throne, so she killed all her grandchildren to make sure none of them got ahead of her. How's that for grandma? Uh, Anyway, that's the one that was married there. So they're already compromised, and he's compromising because he's having a relationship with this evil king of Israel, and they're going into battle together. So, uh, you've got to be careful. I know we cannot keep our kids from marrying somebody. I know you can't. You can just encourage and try to warn and all that. I always remember the story of the, the woman that always wanted her daughter to get married. She wanted her to marry a good man and, ha- and bring some grandchildren to her and all this. And she's just constantly trying to get her daughter uh, a husband while she was growing up. And her daughter really didn't care about the man her mother brought her. Uh, And she wasn't interested, but she loved the Lord, and she felt called to the mission field. And so uh, her mother was a little disappointed because she never got married, but she went to the mission field. She went to this remote island where these natives were and everything. And uh, so that was it. After about two years, she got a call from her daughter and said, Mama, I want to let you know something. I did get married. And I know you've been wanting me to get married all this time, but we're coming home for a couple-week furlough, and I'm going to introduce my husband to you. And she said, great. She was so excited. My daughter got married. We're going to have grandchildren. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. The day she showed up, she rang the doorbell. The mother and the father opened the door, and there was her daughter. And they, she just hugged and kissed her and said, where's your husband? She said, he's getting something out of the car. He's coming. And here he come. He had a bone in his nose. 
He had war paint on. He had just, just a grass skirt on, barefooted, no shirt. Come walking up there. Mother screamed and passed out. <laughs> and uh, the, the daughter said, Daddy, what happened to Mama? She's always wanted me to get married. She said, your mom always wanted you to marry a rich doctor, not a witch doctor. And so anyway, who you marry is a big thing to a lot of people. Uh, this is a woman that wrote to Dear Abby, and she was an atheist, and she married a, a, a Christian or a religious man, and she hated to go to church with him, and she said, I feel so uncomfortable. And so she had written to Dear Abby, and so somebody was writing uh, to Dear Abby about that. She said, I'm writing to support feeling coerced in San Diego who's uncomfortable attending church with her husband. I understand her feelings because I too am an atheist in a relationship with a religious man. There's another option besides just abstaining from church or attending only a major ho on major holidays. I would recommend that she and her husband try a different church. One religion that embraces atheists... <laughs> is the Unitarian Universalism Church. The UU congregation are made up of people from all kinds of backgrounds, Christian, Jews, atheists, and all kinds, all kinds of religions. The focus on the, of the sermons on living a good life, treating other people and our planet with respect, and following one's own path to spiritual enlightenment. It's likely that coerced and her husband could both feel at home in such a church, an atheist and a so-called Christian. And Abby wrote back, Dear Chelsea, thank you for your suggestion. It's one that was echoed by many others. Well, that's not the answer. I can tell you that. So anyway, he's compromised. He, he's already compromised. He's letting his son marry into an ungodly, idolatrous family. And he's joining in with them in battle. Now, let's go on a little farther. Let's look at this situation, the delivery of God's word. Here's Ahab's request. He said, will you join me and let's go fight the Syrians at Ramoth Gilead. Look at verse 4. First thing Jehoshaphat says is, first seek the counsel of God. In other words, we make sure God's in this. Make sure God's directing this is God's will and all this kind of thing. Wouldn't it be better if we sought God's will on the front end instead of having to ask God to get us out of the mess we got in because we didn't think, think about him on the back end? Ahab's response was, okay, I'll do that. So he called 400 false prophets in there, and all 400 false prophets says, Yes, go in there. You've got the victory. Well, I tell you what, you couldn't get 400 people in church to agree on anything like that, uh, much less 400 false prophets. Jehoshaphat, he says, well, wait a minute. Now, is there any prophets of God that you can uh, ask? Now, I see you've got these 400. He said, well, there's one, a guy named Micaiah, but I don't like him because he always prophesies something that doesn't go my way. But I will. He, wanted, he had to have Jehoshaphat's support, so he said, I'll, I'll call this guy in here and see what he has to say. So he's going to call Micaiah in there, and uh, Micaiah's going to have to give him what thus saith the Lord is and see how it goes with the 400 false prophets. Now, before he got in there, one of the guys told him, as we read a while ago, he said, now look, the 400 have already said it's going to be great. It's going to be victory. Go into the battle. So make sure you agree with them. He said, I'm going to just say what the Lord tells me to say. That's what he said uh, in verse, I think, verse 12 there. All right, listen, listen here. Speaking the truth. There's three times it's very difficult to speak the truth. Number one, speaking the truth when it's not popular. 
It's not easy to always say what you need to say when it's not going to be popular, it's not going to be well received. Micaiah had a different take on this than the other ones. Uh, you know, we all want to be liked, we all want to be accepted, we all want to say things that make everybody agree with us and all this stuff. But sometimes, and there's a lot of pressure on preachers today to twist it and make it where it's acceptable by the crowd. Make it popular. Twist the thing around, whatever you got to do, spin it, however you got to do it. Let me say this, Christians, we're never, if you're living for God, you're never going to be popular in this world. We are never going to be the friends of the world. If you're the friend of the world, then you're God's enemy. You've got to remember that. We're never going to be in the majority. The majority's on the way to hell. They're on a broad road. We're not going to get the majority and have everybody on our side. Uh, our message is not going to agree with the secularists because Jesus said, my words are spirit and they are life. The natural man doesn't receive the things of the spirit. Our, our words that we say is not going to be accepted by uh, the academic people, the educated people, because the wisdom of this world's foolishness to God and the wisdom of God's foolishness to them. So you're not going to get things, get them to agree with what you have to say. You're not going to get the religious crowd to agree with you. The religious people are one that put Jesus to death. Religion's bound up in tradition and rituals and things like that. So they're not going to agree with what thus saith the Lord. So you've got to be careful. You've got to be able to speak the truth when it's not popular. You've got to be able to speak the truth when it's not positive. Jehoshaphat and Ahab wanted Micaiah to tell them what's going to take place. Let's look at verse 12. The messenger who had gone to summon Micaiah said, Look, the other prophets, without exception, are predicting success for the king. Let your words agree with theirs and speak favorably. In other words, you better, if you know what's good for you, you better say what they said. So we're all on the same page. Micaiah said, You know, I'm just going to say whatever the Lord tells me to say. Now, He's fixing to deliver a message that's not only not popular, it's not a very positive, it's not the positive message that the others were given. The others said, we're going to have victory. You're going to have victory. He said, no, you're not. And the king's not going to have a good situation. Let me say this. The gospel is good news. It's good news. But you can't preach the gospel unless you preach the negative too. That's why it's so good, such good news, because we're in a bad predicament, and we need help, and only God's given us the help. That's what's so good about it. We don't preach that people are good, basically. That's what a lot of people in the world preach. Mankind's basically good. There's some bad ones out there, but most of us are all good people. No, the Bible says we're all sinners. There's none righteous. There's none. No, not one that's good. So... You've got to point out the negative of things or they won't appreciate the good positive. Um, the heart's deceitfully wicked. We said that in Sunday school today. The wages of sin is death. Heaven's wonderful, but if you don't go to heaven, i got some negative news for you. Hell's a place prepared for the devil and his angels, but you're going there. So sometimes what we say is not popular. Sometimes what we say when you're speaking the truth is not positive. And the third thing, sometimes what you say is going to be rejected. Now, look at verse 14. Uh, let me show you something. And 15. When he arrived, here the king asked him, Micaiah, shall we go to war against Ramoth Gilead or shall I not? 
Attack and be vicious, victorious, he said, for they will be given under your hands. So what he's saying, and the prophet comes in and gets sarcastic. Yeah, go right on in there. And he can tell he's being sarcastic. And here's what he says. They've been given to Verse 15, the king said, how many times must I make you swear to tell me nothing but the truth in the name of the Lord? He said, I can tell you you're not telling me, you're not being honest with me. Now go ahead and tell me what the truth is. And so he's going to come out and tell him what the truth is. Uh, and when he tells him, it's going to infuriate a guy named Zedekiah. He doesn't like what he says. He goes, pops him upside the face for speaking that to the king. Huh. It's, it's, not, it's not a good thing. And they threw him in prison for saying what he had to say and said, just give him bread and water. Now, sometimes you're going to have to speak the truth when it's not popular when it's not positive, and when it's going to be rejected. Amen. That's one thing about the, uh, the, the prison ministry team. I appreciate them. You're going there with a positive message because those people have hit bottom in their life. They don't know any way but up. They've already seen what they've messed, they've, their life's messed up, so you can bring them some very positive things. But sometimes people will reject you. They'll reject what you have to say. I wasn't a real ladies' man in high school. I was too shy. Uh, about around girls but in high school and in college if I got rejected that was not good if you ask a girl out and she rejects you ah uh, no you're going back to the back of the line girl if I even let you in the line next time I won't even ask you again uh you know you don't you don't most men can't handle rejection too good you've just missed your ticket to paradise get out of here anyway <laughs> Uh, anyway, we, we, uh, we don't like to be rejected. If you've been in sales, I was in sales for a lot, long time too. That is a very tough business. You can have some great success and you can have some big lows too because you can think you have a good sale and you've, you've already got the money spent. You don't figure out how much it's going to make you and all this and boom, it can fall out from under you at the last second even though you've already figured you've made it. It can be like that. Rejection is a part of life. So sometimes you've got to speak the truth when it's going to be rejected. They did not reject what the prophet of God had to say. Now let's look at this for just a moment, the danger of false prophets. False prophets are all through the Old Testament. Uh, you remember Elijah battled them on Mount Carmel. Uh, prophets would say, God, thus saith the Lord, and God would say, I didn't tell him to say that. And so it was something that came on from time to time. False teachers was a big thing in the New Testament. Not so much the false prophets, even though there were some, but in the New Testament, Paul then was concerned about the false teachers coming along and twisting what they had said or saying, no, this is what it really means. And they were twisting around. Let me give you some scriptures here to show you what they dealt with in the New Testament. In Ephesians 4, 14. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by their cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Let's go to the next one. Colossians 2.8. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. Next one. Romans 16.17.18. I urge you brothers and sisters, to watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching you've learned. 
Keep away from them. For such people are not serving our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. By smooth talk and flattery they deceive the minds of naive people. Paul was the, the pastor of the church at Ephesus. He helped start that church, and he was a pastor for a good while. But after about three years, he's leaving them. In the book of Acts, chapter 20, he's leaving them, and he's saying goodbye. So the whole church comes down to the seashore to say goodbye to Paul because he's fixing to get on the ship and sail off, and he won't see them anymore. And there's a lot of crying and boohooing because they, they were a close church, and they were close to Paul. Here's what they said. He said this was a Paul's last word to the church. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he brought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. Be on your guard. Remember that for three years I have never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. That was the thing that was concerning Paul. Why will people twist or spin the truth? Why do they deceive? Let me show you something that we need to understand. The difficulty, why don't the church spot and point out false teachers more than they do? I'm going to tell you. One is we have a faulty view of what love is. We've been commanded to love. We're supposed to love the lost, love our enemies. Love covers a multitude of sins. Love is a, is a big thing. Uh, we're supposed to believe all things. Love believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. So a lot of people have in their mind, if we really love people, love accepts all things. No matter what they say or what they teach, if it's false, accept it. That's what Christian love is. No, it's not. No, it's not. If you truly love God, you can't love the world. He said you cannot love God and mammon. If you truly love God, truth... You have to reject what's false or what's error. If you truly love righteousness, you've got to shun unrighteousness. That's what it, the way it is. So we have a faulty view of what, a concept of what love is. That's why people don't point out error or falseness. We have a false view of what judging is. You hear people quote that scripture all the time, uh, Matthew 7, 1. Judge not lest you be judged. We have no right to judge anybody as right or wrong because God doesn't give us a right to judge them. That's not what that means at all. Amen. That word for judge, what God doesn't give us the right to do is to judge somebody's heart or condemn them. We can't see their heart or their motives. But we can judge their words, their actions, their fruit. When you go to the grocery store and you're looking at the peaches, you're trying to judge which ones you're going to buy. And this one's here as hard as a rock. I'm not buying that one. You're making an evaluation. Same thing with anything. Uh, if you're selling your car, or you're going to go buy, you're going to go buy a used car, and you're looking at the tires, you're looking at the engine, you're looking how it's been treated inside. You're trying to make an evaluation if that thing's going to get you down the road, or it's nothing but trouble. So judging that God wants us to do is evaluate what's true and what's not true. And that's something that a lot of people don't understand. So they think, well, I can't judge anybody because everybody has their own right to whatever they want to believe. No, that's not true. Let's talk about receiving the word for just a moment. Hebrews, the penetration of God's word. Hebrews 4.12 says this, The word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword, 
piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow. It's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Now, that's the power of God's Word. But we all know that everybody doesn't receive God's Word. Everybody doesn't accept it. The Bible says sometimes the seed, which is God's Word, falls on different types of soul. And doesn't produce fruit. So that means sometimes it's rejected. It's rejected probably more times than it's accepted. Sometimes you can present the Word and tell the truth. And they'll turn away and don't want to accept the truth. That's what Jesus did with the rich young ruler. He told him, what I need to do to have eternal life, I've done this. He said, well, come do this and follow me. He said, "Uh uh-uh, I ain't doing that. And so sometimes it'll be rejected that way. Sometimes you can present the word to people and they'll be like Felix in the book of Acts. He was trembling under the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And he told Paul, he said, "I'll, I'll hear you another day. They'll procrastinate and put it off. And another time never came for Felix. So everybody doesn't respond to the Word of God the same way. Let me give you three ways that Christians have a tendency to respond to the Word. Sometimes they don't grasp what God's saying to them. There's a phrase in the Bible that said they're dull of hearing. It doesn't just mean they're dense. It just means they're not grasping what God's trying to say. Now Ahab, he called in Micaiah, the prophet, to get a prophecy on whether it's okay to go fight the Syrians in this battle. And his prophecy was not good. It wasn't a positive word. He didn't like that. He, d- he wanted him to say what he wanted him to say. He wasn't going to receive it if it wasn't any other way. A lot of people are like that. They, they only want to hear what God, what they want God to say to them. You go to a restaurant. Everybody's not grasping the things of God. Go to a restaurant. See how many of them pray unto God before they eat their meal. Comes Christmas time. How many people really know the meaning of Christmas? Or are they thinking only about Santa Claus, gifts, decorations, office parties, missing school, whatever, a hundred other things, and we miss the real message? Uh, one time the church had a banner out in front and said, Jesus is the reason for the season. Two old, two old people in the town that were unbelievers said, look at that, there's the church trying to horn in on Christmas now. And so a lot of times uh, the world doesn't see things. They're dull of hearing. Here's the second thing. A lot of times people don't receive the Word because they're a hearer of the Word but not a doer. They want to hear it, but they don't want to do it. That's what James talked about. You know, I'm going to say this to men. Be careful. If your wife ever comes up and says, does this dress make me look fat? First of all, there's only one answer you can give on that. If you say, you don't, there, here's what I'm saying. She's not, she's not, she's not seeking truth. She's needing reassurance. She's needing a compliment. She's needing, she's self-conscious or whatever. She needs that. She's not wanting you to tell the truth. You better pick that up quick or you're going to be in trouble. Anyway, so a lot of people are not wanting to hear the truth. Because they're not going to do anything about it. They're going to be a hearer of it, but not a doer of it. And then there's other people that whenever God tells them something, they're going to reject it. They don't even receive it. One woman, was, her husband was smoking three packs of cigarettes a day, and she kept harping. She, so every morning at breakfast, at breakfast, she'd put an article down there by his plate about cancer, about what cigarettes does every day. 
And finally, after about two weeks, she says, Honey, have you been uh, reading those articles about cancer and smoking that I've been putting at, your ta- at the table? He said, Yes. Well, she said, Are you going to quit smoking? He said, No, I'm going to quit reading. So a lot of times, that's, that's the way a lot of people are. They're, they're not interested in what have to say. So Ahab was furious when he got the word, this is what thus saith the word, the Lord saying this. They put him in prison said, feed that man water and bread. And as they were shutting the gate, I could just picture it this way. They're shutting him in, clang gate shut. Micaiah says this. Let me say this. If you come back from war and still alive, I'm a false prophet. You don't hear people say that today, do you? He's saying, this is true. If you make it back alive, everybody, I'm a false prophet. Y'all. Well, Ahab was determined he was going into battle, so he come up with the battle, and he told Jehoshaphat, you know, he dressed up in his kingly outfit, but Ahab didn't put on a kingly outfit. He didn't want to stand out. And he put armor all over him. And they got into the battle, and the first thing the Syrians did, they went after King Jehoshaphat because they said, there's the king, let's kill him. And Jehoshaphat called out to God, and and the the people recognized, this isn't the king we're looking for. And so they let him go. God spared him. make a long story short, the battle raged on. One old boy says in verse 33, didn't he say what the the man's name was? Some unnamed person. He shot an arrow up in the air. And he hit right where Ahab didn't have any armor. God can find the mark, can't he? Who was it? Is it the, the Canadian Mounted Police or Dick Tracy always, said, always gets their man? God always gets his man. Look here. Someone drew his bow at random and hit the king of Israel between the breastplate and the scale armor. The king told the chariot driver, wheel around and get me out of the fighting. I've been wounded. And make the, the end of the story was he stayed out of the fighting. That evening, he died. Exactly what the prophet had said. Now, here's what I'm saying. You can twist and, and spin the truth or you can say what the Word of God says. And it's very easy to be misled today. We're living in a time of great deception preacher one time took his buddies that visited him up there and took them to Chinatown. He always kind of a joke. He'd always buy them all a Rolex watch. You could go to Chinatown and get a Rolex watch for $10. So they all had a Rolex watch that looked like that on there. And it looked nice. But he said, actually, it wasn't worth the $10 he spent on it. It wouldn't tell time. Uh, listen to this. Let me just read you some things. The OECD, Organization for Economic Coordination and Development, they said... Counterfeiting of goods in 2013 was one trillion dollar industry. 2022, it's a three three trillion dollar industry. University of North Carolina students did some DNA tests on red snapper in the grocery store. Some that they'd looked at, they were checking the DNA. It said it wasn't red snapper. It was sheephead. It was grunt. It was a bunch of other things. They also did something that's like a stingray, but it's called skate. And they found it was the DNA that was being sold for scallops, 
and clam strips and everything. Well, somebody said, well, it's good to me. Well, that's okay, but it ain't what you pay for. It ain't what you thought you was getting. It might taste okay to you. The reason they did that for Red Snapper, they could sell that cheap fish and get a high price. It's deceptive. 70% of Democrats and 14% of Republicans do not trust the news. And 27%, one out of four, of independents does not trust the news media. That's sad, isn't it? We're living in a day where you don't, people that are giving you information, if you can't trust what you're getting, not to mention social media and all that. We were having a, a staff meeting the other day, me and Eric and Keith. A guy came up to the door. Keith went to see what he needed, and he came back a little bit later, and there was a guy coming and gave him his card. He was going around to churches. Wanted to talk to the people or the pastors or the staff or whatever. He said, because there's a lot of scams going on. I think it was in banks and stuff. He said, I'm trying to warn the people they're going to get scammed if they're don't, not careful. We're living in a day of deception. We've been talking about on Wednesday night, AI deception. Deep fake. You can be talking to your child and looking at them, and it's not your child. You're listening to them. You can be easily deceived. Only one we can trust is God. The only book we can trust is this book, but you've got to rightly divide this book. The only blood you can trust is the blood of Jesus. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. We're living in a time of great deception where they can take the truth and spin it, and you'll believe a lie. Or they can take a lie and present it in a way it sounds exactly like the truth. Deception not only costs you your life, it can cost you eternity. Ahab lost it. I want you to stand with me. I want to close. Here's what we want to pray about today. I want you to come down here. Those that will, come on down this way. And I'm going to give you something to pray about. You need to be praying about this. If the Lord's dealing with your heart anyway, are you speaking the truth? Are you saying what's not popular sometimes? Are you saying what's not always positive sometimes? Are you saying the truth even when it's going to be rejected? Are you only hearing what you want to hear? Like Ahab. If God's not lining up with what you want, then you're rejecting God. We're living in a day where people are playing games with the truth. And I'm telling you, it's a deadly, deceptive thing. That's what we need to be praying about. If God's Spirit's dealing with your heart, you need to be bringing it to Him right now. How are you handling the truth? Are you being honest, sincere, straightforward? Or do you spin it just a little bit to be a friend, to be accepted? so people can swallow it a little better. And listen, do you receive truth? Or if it don't line up with you, you let it go in one ear and out the other. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, here we are. We are living in a time, Jesus said, be great deception in the last days. Great deception. Many false prophets, many people saying this, even the very elect could be deceived if, if it were possible. 
I pray you, Father, that you would open up our eyes as we walk through this world. Help us to line up with your word. Help us to line up with the truth. Your word is truth. Jesus, you said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Your word says, sanctify them through your truth. Your word is truth. God, we're praying. Don't let any of us be misled. Don't let us face the consequences of what it's like to be deceived and finding out too late. And I pray those here today that are being deceived by the enemy about their eternal soul, open their eyes to truth. And may the truth set them free. We thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you for a family, a church family, where we can help hold each other accountable and we can look out for one another and take care of each other and remind each other, admonish each other, warn each other, encourage each other, strengthen each other. But we need each other and we need you. We need you, Holy Spirit. Father, as we go forward in this day of deception, may we go forward holding forth the banner of the cross and the blood of Jesus Christ, never taking our eyes off of Jesus the very author and the finisher of our faith. We give you praise, God. Enlighten us. Expel the darkness with your light. In Jesus' holy name, amen. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. Come back tonight for prayer and praise. If you need special prayer, we'll pray with you here.